Welcome to the Watermark Family Ministry Podcast, where we aim to equip and encourage parents for the mission they've been employed and empowered by God to do. My name is Wes Butler. I'm the Director of Family Ministry here at the Dallas campus, and I am so excited that you have tuned in to this episode of the Dad You Podcast. If you did not join us or have not listened to the last Dad You, let me encourage you to do that. My friend Scott Kadersha presented a talk on how your marriage raises your kids. We had a great conversation, and today's episode is just a follow-up to that conversation with a couple of friends, Robert Green and Eddie Bedrina. You'll get to hear about them and their stories here in just a minute, but we just had a conversation about how in the world do you keep your marriage a priority through the various seasons of the parenting journey. And so we hope that you will be encouraged by this episode. So listen in and thanks for joining us today. All right. Well, welcome to our first ever maiden voyage of the Dad You podcast, yet to be named. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to name it, but uh, it should be fun. I am joined today by a couple of good friends. So my buddy Robert Green, who serves here on staff with us at Watermark. I'll let Robert share a little bit about himself. And then Eddie Bedrina is one of our key leaders in our Dad You ministry. And he and his wife, uh, Rachel, have served in a lot of ministries we were just talking about uh, here at Watermark. So uh, Robert, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about about your family, and then uh, we'll dive into the topic today. Sure. My name is Robert Green, for everybody that I haven't met out there. Um, so I've been married 35 years as of yesterday. So, hey, happy anniversary. Wow. Thank you very much. Um, St. Patrick's Day, we got married on St. Patrick's Day. I knew I would never forget it if <laughs> I got married on a holiday. It paid off yesterday uh, when I forgot. Um, so, uh, <laughs> hey, we're talking about marriage today, Robert, so good. good. We'll, get, we'll, get to that. we'll get to that. So I've got two boys. We're empty nesters, so i got one boy that's married. Lives in Atlanta, um, and then the other one lives here. Um, Matt lives here in town, and you know works uh, works locally. So they're 29 and 32. We um, I've been on staff here for about five years. Um, before that, I've been in IT industry for 25 years. Before that, just in the Dallas area with uh, a number of you know companies in their corporate IT. There you go. All right, Eddie Bedrina, tell us about yourself. Well, first, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this yeah. Is a, this is a great opportunity. Um, so my wife and I have been married for 19 years, uh, and we have three kids. We have a 15-year-old daughter, a 10-year-old son, and a 6-year-old daughter. And we, I'm originally from Houston. My wife's originally from Dallas. We spent some time on the East Coast and then made our way back here, and a Watermark has been a, a huge impact on our lives since we moved back uh, in 06. Awesome. And I feel like I should introduce myself. So I'm, my name is Wes Butler, and I have been married to my wife, Brandy, for 21 years, coming up on 22. Right. Crazy. Uh, wow. We got married way too young. So for all those of you listening out there that are uh, maybe considering marriage, wait just a little bit, <laughs> grow up. <laughs> uh, but uh, we have four amazing kiddos. So uh, my oldest is a freshman in high school, and then I have an eighth grader. Uh, who just celebrated her 14th birthday this weekend. Mm. And then uh, I've got a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. I didn't do that in order, but hey, it's all good. So um, anyway, well, listen, I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, if you did not uh, listen to Scott Kadersh's, uh 
talk that he gave at Dad U this past month, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that first because that's really what we're going to talk about is just trying to unpack a little bit more. You know, Scott's talk was how our marriage raises our kids. And so today what I wanted to do is just kind of talk with these guys and let you hear from these dads uh, what it really looks like to put your marriage first and through uh, through all the seasons of raising kids. So one of the statements I made at Dad U was that uh, anytime I sit down with parents who go, hey, will you just help us? You know, we're having a really difficult time with this kiddo and uh, we'll sit down with them. We'll have a good conversation. And inevitably, what comes out of that is that I see that um, what is really at the root of a lot of the the hurt and the trials that they're going through is just a lack of unity between mom and dad, where they're just not on the same page and where they haven't really done what we're going to talk about today, which is to keep their marriage number one and the priority here. And so mm-hmm. uh, I just love for us to talk about that. I mean, how do you through the various stages of parenting, keep your marriage as the top priority. And so let, I want us to kind of rewind tape and go back to the very early days. We're talking to maybe a bunch of dads who are, uh, their wives have just had their first baby or they're walking through the toddler and the preschool years. What were some of the things that you guys did during those early days to keep your marriage a priority? One of the big things Linda and I did is we just found uh, common interests and we decided, hey, we are going to do some of those things together. And, you know, in particular, uh, you know, early on, we started working with young people. And part of it was uh, we got, you know, some great babysitting, you know, out, out of that, especially when the kids were young. But we decided to start serving in student ministries and we served together. So we were, we were a church that had, you know, a traditional Sunday school model at the time and we had a seventh grade department that she and I were basically the directors over. And that became uh, a way for us to always connect. Like there was always something, you know, to be done there. And and so from a from a marriage perspective, I mean, I always encourage guys, hey, serve together. You know, you and your wife find a way to serve together. And, you know, since then we've led a lot, you know, in merge and, you know, especially in our re-engage uh, ministry here. We've just found that if we can serve together, uh, that tends to drive a connectedness uh, between us. So there's one one notion. Eddie, you guys served in marriage ministry too, so. Yeah, the, definitely. If we had known that earlier, I think our marriage and our home life would have been better than it already is. Uh, because I think it's a mind shift for, especially for husbands, if you go from young married to then young married with kiddos, with young marrieds, they can serve separately and do really well because they have that extra time and that capacity when they're not serving just to be together. But when you start having kids, that that time shrinks to almost nothing. And so the ability to then to lead out for dads to lead out and say, hey, I, I know we need to serve and I know in the past we've served separately, but to serve together is some, is a way that will strengthen our marriage, uh, is, is something if you can, the earlier you realize that, I think the better off that you'll be in terms of establishing a pattern of being one, uh, being unified, uh, in a marriage. I would also add to that. I think one of the things, uh, to do is in addition to serving together, when you're serving and you say you have a, a community group that you're leading, or you've got a, a, a guys group, maybe some some high schoolers or junior hires that you're mentoring, bring them into your house. And mm-hmm. um, I've learned not just from Watermark, but from friends on on both coasts who I trust and admire, and they have grown up kids. Uh, their kids have told us the, the best thing our parents did for us, besides just modeling Jesus to one another, was to bring other believers into our house and 
because it showed them how their parents uh, acted and how they maneuvered in a you know in a non-family setting. It gave them a lot of context for how their parents were actually. Um, operating. And if they saw a continuity between how they acted at home and then how they mentored and worked with either couples or young guys or young gals, that really cemented in their minds, okay, these people love Jesus. They're my parents, but they love Jesus and they've made their faith their own. Um, And it's authentic, right? And, And kids can see through that almost immediately if you're in Monday through Saturday, you're one person and on Sunday you get dressed up in your Sunday best and go to church, right? So uh, I think bringing people into your home uh, has a huge effect on your kiddos and it allows you just to be home and to be with your wife um, operating as you normally would. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think about too, I mean, just serving together specifically in the marriage ministry has been something that I know I hear from a lot of dads who just go, man, I'm so thankful that we do this because it reminds me as I'm walking with a foundation group maybe through that or as we're walking with a, a re-engage group through all the principles of re-engage, it helps me and go, oh yeah, that those are the principles I need to be applying to my own marriage. So not only is there a uh, unified front that my wife and I have of really ministering to and serving these couples, but it's also reminding me of the truths that I want to mark my own marriage in that. So, so good. Well, let you know. I, I think one of the things that uh, I think about often is just I hear it all the time. Hey, it, this is a season. We're just in a season. It's going to be really hard in this season. And what is uh, perhaps uh, should be more obvious to us is that every season is followed by another season. Right. I don't know if you know that's how you know fall and then I've there's winter. And, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I think when we think about the the early season of marriage, it just kind of is like, all right, man, buckle up strap in or or, or rather early season of parenting, you know, buckle up, strap in, it's going to be a ride. And yet I remember when my kids started into the schooling years and now we're running to elementary school and we're doing the kindergarten thing and we're buying school supplies. And now there's soccer games to go to and baseball practices to go to and all that kind of stuff. And that was just a, it's a brand new season where I remember some significant shifts in the way I ordered my life and my schedule and all that. And Mm so as we're thinking about this topic, how do we help dads who are going, man, my kids are just jumping into uh, these schooling days. I'm starting to coach soccer teams and all that. What do I do? Because now all my attention is still, I'm wanting to draw it to these kids. So if you think about seasons and the analogy probably ends pretty quickly, but if you think (laughs) about seasons and if you're a homeowner or even if you you own a car, there are things that you do to prepare for each season and you know they're coming up. Right. So, you know, when winter comes up, you have to winterize the outside pipes. You got to, you know, cover the plants when it freezes, all that good stuff. And, and same with your clothing. You pull out your jackets and your, your outerwear that you wouldn't normally have in the summer. But if you can anticipate the seasons um, and prepare your marriage for those, I think that is so, so uh, valuable. Tactically, even on a week-to-week level, the best thing that Rachel and I can do is on Sunday nights at 7.30, and I have it in my calendar, on Sunday nights, we just go over our week in advance. And we say, hey, what do you have going on? What do we have going on? What do the kids have going on? And let's schedule that out. Because in the day-to-day, 
the, the, the conflict points, the rub points are when your schedules are out of whack. And then you realize you're rushing from one place to another because you forgot this person or you forgot, you know, this event and just to schedule that out and prepare for the week in advance on a weekly level is I think, uh, the one of the biggest uh, mitigating factors of conflict uh, and of communication. And then when you back out of that from a monthly or a quarterly perspective, just looking at, hey, what what does our season look like for the spring season of soccer, right? Or what does a season look like for summer vacation? And it's, you know, it's March and we're already looking at what we have going on in the fall. Summer's already scheduled. Yeah. So that type of stuff will also help you uh, anticipate things that come up in it. I think what to back to the, the role of marriage, it will also help you figure out what do you need to do for your marriage to prepare for that? And what do you need to integrate into your, you know, into your daily life that will uh, support you during that season. I mean, we, for, for new um, new parents and, and dads with young kiddos, Summer vacation really doesn't apply because they're not in school yet. Uh, but with summer vacation for the for the dads who have kids in elementary and upwards, uh, we know that summer vacation is uh, such a huge shift for our family and mm-hmm. especially for stay at home moms. Yeah, because all of a sudden they've gone from you know they're working or you're working or they're at home and there's very little going on from nine to three, and all of a sudden during summer it's wheels off 24 (laughs) seven parenting every day is a Saturday. And if you don't schedule and plan that, and if you don't prepare your marriage for that, it's disastrous where, you know, we grew up thinking summer vacation is awesome for the parents. Like we can't wait to get them back into school. And it's like (laughs) June the second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, one other thing I would, uh, that hits me just from a philosophical perspective, as you see those seasons coming up, one of the things that we, uh, that we looked at is, okay, how much of our schedule are we going to commit to kids activities? Mm -hmm. Right. And man, uh, there's lots of different opinions, you know, on on this. But we we said one of the things that we decided to do is we are not going to schedule anything on Sundays. Period. That is going to be there's going to be no sports. There's not going to be any practices. And if being on a team requires us uh, to be there on Sunday, then that's something that we're not going to do because we're we're a big sports family. Okay, we're sports junkies. Linda and I love it. You know, kids love it. But we just said we are going to um, segment that time. Uh, during this season. And that was a hard thing to do. Um, and you guys know this, whether we're talking about, um, you know, phones and, you know, all, all the, you know, everybody else is getting them. You yeah. know, everybody else is joining this team mm-hmm. and there's some, there's some pressure, but you have to look at that and say, hey, what is best, you know, for our family and, and for, for our marriage? Um, we want to spend, Lynn and I want to spend, you know, time together. We want to spend downtime with the kids and not running someplace. And I've found that serving that's one way to serve my wife is to say we're going to protect our time we're going to protect our time together we're going to be at home during these times and that was a huge help uh, to us yeah it's mm-hmm. good it's that that analogy that we've all seen of put the big rocks in first and then you pour the sand in and you know it fills up but if you don't do that exactly what both of you guys are saying if you don't prioritize 
this as a big rock, it will certainly fade into the background. And all of a sudden, yeah, exactly what Eddie, you were saying, those summer months, I, I know, you know, we get to the end of it and we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like when, do, when were we supposed to just connect and just be us, you know, together? Right. Uh, and if you don't go ahead of time and plan that, then uh, it can get lost in the weeds. So totally. That's good. I, I would uh, add, you know, for some of these seasons, like say spring break, we just came off of spring break. Yeah. One of the things that we do on spring break breaks and family vacations is Rachel and I sit down beforehand and we just say, Hey, and it's a really quick conversation of, Hey, what do you want out of this time? And if it's, if it's family time, then let's, let's make sure that we get family time in or, um, you know, with spring break, it's less about us and our connection. And it's more about about being with the kiddos. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to understand and show ourselves some grace of, hey, we're not gonna get to connect that much during spring break, but it's okay. Yeah. And we'll connect afterwards. Uh, but if uh, the, the family vacations that have gone the worst for us are the ones where we haven't communicated expectations with one another, and I wanna check out because work's been hard the past couple of months, and I just wanna sit and read, and I'm an introvert, and Rachel wants to play family games with the family that she hasn't seen in three to six months. Yeah. That if we're not talking about that beforehand, wow, that is that makes for a really crummy family vacation in terms of our marriage. Yeah. 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 Another thing I would just throw out there, you know, kind of hashtag same team, you know, <laughs> idea is and making sure uh, that that we're aligned on our responses to the kids. And mm. so, mm. look for. For some reason, kids are able to kind of sense when there is something that maybe you're not in agreement on. And a couple of things that we, that, that just from a practical perspective, that we learn to do is if, if one of the kids come to us and says, "Hey, I really want to go to this ball game. What do you think? You know, mom, is that okay?" It's okay to say, "Well, your dad and I haven't talked about it. Let us talk about it yeah. and get back to you." And the times where they're actually trying to be deceptive and they want you to do something different, you know, than, than the other spouse, you'll see them kind of, you know, shrink mm -hmm. a little bit because, oh right. no, don't talk to dad. Right, you know, <laughs> it's not going to go well for me. Um, but we try, um, you know, to really be on the same page, uh, and that really serves my wife well because then there's not the the conversation afterwards where we have conflict. And quite honestly. Um, one of our biggest marriage fails was when our oldest got to be in high school. He'd been a really good student, and he got to high school and hit a really rough patch. Mm. And um, Linda and I were not on the same page in terms of how we're going to discipline him. It was the kind of traditional, you know, dad, hey, I'm going to let him fail, teach him a lesson. You know, she was, hey, we need to let him fall softly, might not, you know, get into the college, you know, and, and, and all this. So... We had some really tough, and we were not on the same page. And and I can just tell you from experience that there there's there's you know brightness on the other side of that, but it was dark. You know, there there for um, a period of months. And hey, we were in a community group with some good people. Yeah. Um. You know, but we did not do a good job of staying on the same team. Uh. You know, during during that season, that did not serve my wife well. Yeah. So can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think uh you know I think about conflict specifically in how we resolve that our kids can become that source of conflict for us when when we're not aligned. And so how do you how do we prepare ourselves for those times of conflict and how do we work through those in such a way that it honors our spouse first and foremost 
right? Well, perhaps it honors the Lord first and foremost. It honors our spouse, right, you know, hand in glove with that. And then that it is ultimately what's best for the kids. So Robert, as you and Linda worked through that conflict, what what was it that you did with community and with, uh, you know, just the, the counsel of godly and wise people around you that helped you get through that time? Yeah, we had a, a community group that we were in. We were the oldest ones in there. So our kids were, we were a little bit ahead of most of the folks in the group. And what, what we realized is that we had kind of gone to the extent of what the council around us, you know, could do for us. Like none of them had been through, you know, that situation before. Not that that's a prerequisite to being able to speak wisely into somebody's situation. Um, but what we opted to do is bring in a couple of other uh, couples that we had heard, that we knew around Watermark that had had, you know, kids that were struggling a little bit at that age. Um, and and that worked out really, really well for us. They gave us some wise counsel. We then took that back to our community and said, hey, here's what these couples who are a little bit ahead of us, you know, have said, would you guys now hold us accountable? This is what we're going to do. And, we, you know, we're doing this together. And uh, that made a huge difference, uh, you know, to us. So I would say that. And the, the other thing I would say is um, I think Linda and I both, um, there was a season where um, just being, being in the Word, and it's going to sound very Christian and, and, and passe, but she trusts me when she sees me in the Word. Mm. I, when I see her in the Word, I know that we have each other's best interests at heart and that we're going to love each other, you know, no matter no matter what the outcome of all of this, you know, conflict might be. And and I think there were times during that season where we were not investing time, you know, in the Word like we should, and our, you know, as, as a result, um, our actions were not always speaking that. So very basic, but I think spending time, you know, in the Word and then um, widen the circle where you need to is, yeah. is super, was super helpful for us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Well, and I would just add on to that. I think one of the best things that community groups can do is exactly what you and Linda did, where you reached out to someone who wasn't in your community group a little further ahead of you in that season. And when people do that with me, they'll, they'll reach out and say, hey, do you mind? I'd love to you know pick your brain on this. I think one of the best practices that you can do as a member of that community group is to, to get your whole community group to be a part of those conversations. Right. And so I very rarely, Brandy, I very rarely will just go and sit with one other couple and talk through that parenting challenge because the reality is the parenting challenge you're facing, either there are other couples in your group who are facing it or they are going to face it. And the thing that is disrupting unity in your marriage is the thing that is ultimately probably going to disrupt unity in their marriage. And so can we learn from each other mm-hmm you know, ahead of time. And so maybe you're going through it and they're going to get to ride your coattails of maybe some of your failures and your mess ups, but also learn from that so that your whole group is encouraged. And so I think as we think about the body of Christ, it's one of the best practices we can do is that we're working through that conflict within the context of community. We are bringing in other godly counsel where it's appropriate and then letting everyone in the group be a party to that so that they can learn and grow through that. So... Um, let's talk. Uh, so Robert, you're, we're going to lean back on you because Eddie and I are both in this season right now of talking about seasons. We've got teenagers in the house. We've got high schoolers in the house, which is a whole new ball game. I have found out over the last six to nine months. (laughs) And, uh, and so, uh, you know, here we are and my kids are staying up later. 
the the time and margin of you know the times where I could put the kids to bed at eight o'clock and I've got a couple of hours to kind of hang out with my wife. Those days seem to have passed me by at this point. And so how how do we do that within those high school years? Now you've got kids who are out late at night or you're running carpool back and forth or uh, you know we haven't gotten into the driver's license thing yet. I know Eddie, you and I are both in the learner's permit category right now with our oldest, but. Fun what time. did that look like for you guys, uh, you know, as you yeah. were shepherding kids through those high school years? So, so my wife, Linda's kind of a night owl, and I'm not. Yeah. Okay? And one of the things we quickly learned as they got to the junior high and high school years is that kids are ready to talk pretty much when you don't want to talk, right? <laughs> when I want to go to bed, you know, 1030, I'm, I'm kind of down. I'm ready to go. Well, that tends to be the time that, like, especially our oldest wanted to start talking. And so immediately uh, I said, oh, man, this, this is going to be rough. And, you know, you begin to adjust your, uh, you know, your schedule, you know, to, to what they need. Um, and so we can talk, you know, in a minute about some of the challenges then that cause. It's kind of a whack-a-mole deal if I'm serving that need. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, that time I used to spend with Linda, you know, and we kind of get, get the kids off. And now I've got to kind of make up um, for that. But what we learned is kind of from the time uh, the kids were young up till about junior high, I mean, we were physically exhausted every night <laughs> mm-hmm. from running stuff all over. We were tired. But that was nothing compared to from junior high on when it becomes a mental game. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. a physical game when they're young. Just trying to keep up with them, they you can still tell them no and they'll mostly follow you. Once you once you have to let them start making the decisions so you know you kind of mold them into, you know, what Christ has for them. Man, that's when we were really tired. It was a lot harder to play kind of the mental games and okay, well what if they say this? What if they do that? And so I think we were underprepared for that. Hmm. I think we were underprepared for the amount of energy that it hmm. required to uh, to work with, you know, to work with them, to let them fail. You know, it was just when they're younger, you just say, hey, we're not going to do that. Don't touch that. Right. It's going to go bad for you. And as a rule, they won't. When they get to those junior high, high school, you kind of got to let them touch it some. You don't want to let them leave the house, you know, and then they start touching it. So you have to allow some of that, you, you know. So our challenge, frankly, was shepherding their heart and what does that really mean? And we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what it meant to shepherd the heart. So you guys probably have a lot, like, I wish we'd have been at Watermark <laughs> from, like, you know, uh, elementary, you know, through, you know, fifth, sixth grade. I wish we'd have been here then because I think what the this family ministry does here so well as it shepherds kids' heart. I mean, you're build, building into them those character qualities that are going to pay out over time. And we were trying to cram that in. We came from a very kind of legalistic background, you know, where it was like, do this, don't do this, for, you know, very structured. And we weren't really shepherding the heart. Yeah. And so I'm really jealous of you guys. Um, <laughs> and, and I think some of that heavy lifting is done, you know, early, early on. So. Yeah. Good. I think for for us with uh, our freshmen in high school, what we have found and what we're trying to apply with our younger kiddos is to, to that point, Robert, it's the why. Um, we're not after just straight obedience mm-hmm. uh, because straight obedience when they're eight and not with no why or no reasoning uh, just becomes this black and white um kind of decision-making when they're in high school and then when they're in college, when they don't have us around, then it's they're on their own and they have no uh, compass as to why we told them 
to do or not to do those things when they were 15 or 14 or 12. So very early on, just uh, getting into the habit of saying, hey, do you, do you know and do you understand how much we love you? And constantly just talking about those basic things of we love you and because we love you, this is this is why we're saying to do this or to not do this. It's not because we want to, you know, totally kill your fun time. It's really because, you know, we know what's best for you, or we think we know what's best Mm -hmm. for you, or this is what the Bible says is best for you. And we believe that. And so this is why we're going to apply it here. The why makes sense even to our Mm six-year-old. Our six-year-old knows intrinsically why, we are telling her to do or not to do something. And it's not because it's a yes, no, you know, clear right or wrong thing. It's just because in the gray areas, she knows that we love her. And so that, that, that applies black and white's really easy to do. It's the gray areas yeah. and the gray areas at the end of the day, all come down to, uh, you know, it's our, it's our motive. And yeah. if our motive of, as parents is just them, to get them to be obedient or to be nice, that's not gonna go very far in life, yeah, yeah. right? As a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, being obedient or being nice isn't why we're here. Yeah. Um, if if it's to say, hey, um, I'm, I'm, I wanna look for where the kingdom is and where we, need, we want to join God's work where it already is, or, I'm supposed to be kind and compassionate, not because my parents say so, but because I know there's bigger forces at play and that that's the way Jesus was, was he was kind and compassionate even when uh, society said you don't have to be kind and compassionate. Yeah. That why is so much more important than being obedient and nice. Yeah, that's good. Well, and I think obviously for us, one of the most important whys that we can give our kids is the why behind the pursuit of our spouse. You know, and so what? What have you guys done? What are you modeling for your kids? What did you, Robert? So, I, you know, I think one of the other uh, nightmare stories that we hear out there is, hey, when my kids left the house. My wife and I no longer had that connective tissue, and all of a sudden, and so you hear a lot of people probably who are coming to reengage, and mm-hmm. and maybe even some of those who are ending up divorced, where the the catalyst of that divorce was that last kid, you know, flying the coop, mm-hmm. and now it's just mom and dad at home. And so, man, what are the things that you guys are doing today that are laying the foundations, or did in those, you know, the mm-hmm. the latter years of your kids being in your home? that laid the foundation to where you and Linda and you and Rachel, Eddie, still enjoy being together. You still enjoy being a couple. And mm-hmm. so what are some of those things? And I'll tell you, so right now is a good time of year for us. Okay, it's March Madness. So we're filming, you know, doing this recording here in March. And we, I, I don't know how exactly it started, but what we, uh, what Linda and I are both basketball fans, okay? Um, she actually played in college. I didn't, so she's got that <laughs> on me. Um, but we really love the NCAA basketball tournament, and our kids started in enjoying that, and we started turning that into like a big deal ar- around the house. And like for three weeks, we'll have food out the out the wazoo. We'll have you know hundreds of people you know swing by just to enjoy you know the tournament. And that all started when the kids were roughly junior high, and it was something that we kind of did as a family that was a little bit unique. We started pulling our kids out of school. 
uh, on the first Amazing. two days of the tournament. That's brilliant. Uh, That's in brilliant. order to watch the tournament, and the school we were in actually changed their policy on when kids can take off their personal days to where they couldn't do it around March, okay, <laughs> around this tournament, because we did this every year. And so our kids just felt like pirates, you know, yeah. being at home, we're all watching basketball, dad takes off work, and Linda and I loved it. And um, when the kids left, they missed seeing that. Like our son that's in um, Atlanta, he and his wife, are they're flying in this Thursday morning for the first day of the tournament, and they're going to spend the whole weekend with us, oh, you know, fantastic. watching basketball. So it's just it's one of those family memories, you know, that, yeah. that we started uh, early on. And, and it look, it started out with a piece of paper and people writing names of teams on there. And then over time, man, we added a board. Now we've got this big wall size board. Now we got like three TVs. We got, you know, all these couches and it just kind of moved over time, but it's like a family, you know, family event. So look, it doesn't have to be that extravagant, but I think looking for things, uh, you know, that you can do, you know, as a family, both together that feed Lynn and I, I mean, I, I'm a big believer, you know, that God gave, uh, gave me, you know, a wife for companionship. I mean, before, you know, this holy versus happy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, did God, you know, what's, you know, Gary, you know, says, hey, did God really um, intend us, you know, to be, you know, how our wives make us, you know, holy, not happy. And I, I, I thought it was happy first. Right, we were companions. He gave our wives to us for companions. You know, it's not good for the man to be alone. So, man, I look for opportunities to have companionship. You know, with Linda and that basketball thing did it. Our boys jumped in. They saw we were having fun, and it just kind of grew from there. So, just just one silly example, but it's we've looked for opportunities like that that um, our kids really enjoy. Yeah, the the place of fun in the home cannot be overstated. I think we're going to do a whole dad you on the importance of fun in the family. And uh, and so, yeah, certainly in your marriage. So, Eddie, what would you say you guys are doing to to keep your marriage as, as priority right now? So Rachel and I have had a number of conversations about just making home life attractive. And we want to be the place where uh, where the kids come. And so the other day, yesterday, um, one of uh, our daughter's friends came over just to bake cookies, right? And it's and it requires a couple of things. One, it requires margin to what Robert was saying of just having free time to where they can come over. There's nothing scheduled, right? And then the other thing it requires is us f- to be together and opening our home up. And we want to be there when those kids are there uh, because, you know, honestly, it feeds our marriage as well uh, to uh, to be able to, again, serve together in a way. But serving in that level is just pouring into our kids' friends. Um, so that just I, – I think if you boil it up to the most uh, basic level is the primacy of marriage is what – uh, stabilizes the home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who said it, but uh, the the saying of the best way to care for your kids is to care for your marriage. No question mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, And so, you know, all of that goes into um, just the practical ideals of, hey, date nights, primacy of marriage before the kids, um, limiting, you know, if, if it's your deal, limiting, uh, you know, activities to one sports activity and one music activity per kid, because we want margin for ourselves and we want margin for our family. For Rachel and I, um, we have one trip, We our anniversary is in December, and we usually have one trip 
every December or thereabouts where it's just us two because we both love to travel. We both love to explore. And it may be just, you know, one year we went to Marfa, uh, which is, you know, an eight hour drive. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then other, you know, other times we've been to Portugal and we've been to, you know, Scotland and we've been everywhere, uh, but we both love to travel. And it's something that, um, and we tell our kids, hey, this is why we're doing it, because we have to stay connected. Yeah. And this is why we do date night, because we have to stay connected. Um, I'll tell you, one of the things that brought us the most joy it was a couple of years ago when when our daughter was 13 or 14, and uh, and we were going on our date night, and our youngest daughter, who was probably four at the time or three, she was kind of having a fit about us leaving. And our our oldest daughter just pulled her aside without us, without any sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, ad admonition on our part, but she just pulled her younger sister aside and she said, Hey, mom and dad need to go on dates because that's the way they take care of us. And paraphrased, yeah, right? Yeah. And to me that, I mean, that was so powerful because we implicitly had just taught our oldest daughter, Hey, this is for your benefit. When we go on dates, this is for your benefit yeah. because it makes us better parents to you guys. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Well, and that's that's worth ending on because it's such a, uh, a very true statement that we have to keep at the forefront of our th thoughts and, and our minds as husbands and as dads that really – the family unit is based on this marital covenant. I mean, that that is what God established when he said it is not good for man to be alone. He established this marital covenant. And everything falls out from there. We're seeing it in our society. We're seeing it in our culture as that has been minimized and you know downgraded to uh, you know any two people who love each other and, and all this. And then, of course, no-fault divorce, all these things that have been uh, – have wormed their way into our society and are now – we're seeing the – uh, impact of that. I mm -hmm. uh, just recently have shared the story, but I was um, had the chance to go and chaperone a, a field trip, you know, for my son. And I just made it a point to talk to the kids about their home life, and really just uh, as I was getting to know them, just, hey, just tell me about your family. And I kid you not, every kid that the parent, that the uh, the teachers and the principal had looked at me ahead of time and said, hey, watch out for this kid. Don't let them be alone. You know, uh, these two are going to be troubled together. All that kind of stuff. When I sat with those kids, I would hear stories that were marked by parents who were not together, uh, dysfunction with dad or mom, and and you just see it. And you could see this child who's desperate for love and affection, and really what they're desperate for is that security that comes from a mom and dad who say, till death do us part. Mm -hmm. And we're going to pursue oneness, not just to kind of stay undivorced, but we're going to pursue oneness together. And so, mm -hmm. man, dads, let me just encourage you. This is where the heavy lifting comes from in our marriages, in our homes, and, and in our parenting, is that we cherish and honor the wife that God has given us. And so, Robert and Eddie, thank you guys for uh, just sharing with us just some of the ways that, yeah. that you guys have done this. Thank and you. And, uh, and so, Robert, I'd just love for you to pray, if you don't mind, and if you have one last 
thought there to share with us. Well, but. there's one there uh, just from our time in reengage. I will tell you that one of the things that we've seen a lot of, and I, I think it's worthy of mention. And I know we're walking out the door, but just physical intimacy. I yeah. think I think you need to keep an eye on physical intimacy and the way that you love your spouse, because just like you know Eddie was talking about the seasons, and you can see things coming. Hey, during a season of pregnancy, things are going to look different. Yeah. Um, immediately after pregnancy, when you have multiple you know kids, all that is going to look different and you need to talk about it with your we it's it can be a really challenging topic for couples we'll see a lot that come in you know to our marriage ministry that they're they're struggling to even converse on this and we just give them a structure to have that conversation it's shocking how often they're actually thinking the same thing yeah they just don't know how to talk about it so right. you know for those listening i would just encourage you if, if physical intimacy you know is is a challenge for you, you guys talk about it you know figure out a way to get on the same page on that or just regarding you know frequency or you know duration or what what Whatever that might be, it'll go well. Yeah, that's such a good word. Mm -hmm. Such a good word. Robert, pray for these dads. Pray for the dads that are going to be listening to this and just pray that for us, for Eddie and myself, and just that our marriages and our homes would be marked by that intimacy and oneness that God created us for. Yeah, Father, you are so good to us. And Lord, the fact that you saw early on that it's not good for us to be alone, uh, that you gave us a woman is just an amazing gift uh, from you. And so, Father, thank you. Uh, just for the men around this table, thank you for, you know, both Eddie, for, for Wes, for myself, and for the wonderful wives that you've given to us. And Lord, may we cherish them. I pray for, you know, everyone listening that they likewise may cherish, um, you know, the wife that you've given them, Lord, the wife of their youth. And Lord, I pray that, um, that our time um, just listening to this might just uh, invigorate us, Lord, might remind us of why we're doing this. And Lord, I pray for uh, the fruit that will come from it, Lord, as we commit our lives. Uh, to uh, you uh, as we commit our lives to our spouses and Lord out of the overflow of that is going to come a tremendous care for the kids uh, that you have put in our family so Father we pray um, for wisdom in the decisions that we make pray that we may love our wives well um, we thank you for the opportunity we've had today, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us on uh, this first inaugural podcast for Dad You. Uh, if you have not had a chance to listen to Scott Kadersha's talk from this past Dad You on how marriage uh, raises our kids, then be sure you go back and listen to that. And then join us April 9th as our next Dad You, and my buddy Jim Wimberly is going to be with me. And our topic is Teach Us to Pray. And so Jim is one of the most faithful prayer warriors that I have ever met and it's going to be really fun for us just to get to learn from him what it looks like to pray for our kids on behalf of our kids and and uh, and the impact that that's had on his life and can have on our family so join us for that and uh, we'll see you next time